Today on Paralysis to Purpose. My dream in life wasn't the big house and the fast car and 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 and, and healthy bank account, right? I mean, we all want those things, but my main dream in life, David, and for all of you listening and watching, was wondering if a woman was ever going to love me like this,、mm. right? Because I felt like damaged goods. I was like, God, return the sender. Like the, the package is broken. This is Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast with David Cooks. Welcome to another episode of Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. I'm excited about our guest today, all the way from the sunny state of Florida. He had to remind me that I'm in Wisconsin and it's cold, but we'll let that go.、Uh, Jose Flores is just a remarkable individual.、Uh, I think you're going to love what he has to say. He is the CEO and founder of Indispensable Now. He's a global motivator, a mindset dis- disruptor.、Uh, he's a number one. Best-selling author of an amazing book called "Don't Let Your Struggle Become Your Standard." If you don't have that book, you need to get it. I'm just telling you right now, it's nothing like I've ever read before.、Um, he's spoken all over the world.、Uh, he's a motivational speaker,、uh, a great guy. He's a family man.、Um, he loves his wife. He has another book coming out that he can share about.、Uh, and you know what? His main message. Is falls right in line with what we do on this podcast. It's about growth. It's about change, and it's about the journey that we all take in life from paralysis to purpose. Paralysis takes on many forms. It's just not a physical thing. We both happen to be in wheelchairs. That's just happened to be that way. But that's not for everybody. Paralysis can be mental. It can be physical. It can be psychological. It can be relationships. It can be a number of things. And his life story and the things that he's accomplished will really help all of us move forward. From a place of paralysis and difficulty to fulfilling our purpose, and so with that being said, let me just say it is great to have you here, Jose, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I'm I'm so excited to be here with you and your audience, man. It's an honor for me as well. Yeah, well, let's get started a little bit and、uh, give a little bit of your background so we can lay the foundation before we dive into the book and and some of your other experiences.、Um, I shared with you.、Uh, I'm a T6 paraplegic that had a, a spinal aneurysm at the age of 15, and I went from walking to not walking in a 24-hour period. Your situation is a little different. Why don't you share with the audience、uh, your situation, and then from there we can talk about how you went from paralysis to purpose. Absolutely, yeah, man. Uh, uh, for, again, thank you for having me. You know, I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York, so I'm a, I'm a city boy, and I had a great childhood, man. I, I was able to. You know, walk and run and ride bike and skateboard and do all the things that healthy, physically healthy young boys, you know, do right. And so,、um, but I was also diagnosed when I was three years old with a condition called spinal muscular atrophy. And basically, what that does is it's, it's it's in the muscular dystrophy family. But basically, what it does is the older I get, the weaker my muscles get due to a deficiency in one of my survival motor neurons. 
they call those SMN for short. And okay. so there's a, my survival, uh, my SMN1, because there's two of them that we all have in our muscles. The number one is deficient in my body, which causes what I have. And it's just, it's mind blowing when you think about how one, and I get really deep with this. And I, and I think I even spoke about it in the book about the power of the one. Absolutely. And so, you know, just one thing out of alignment can cause, you know, this condition to, to change my life forever, right? And so when I was younger, like I said, I had a great uh, childhood, great, great family, uh, out there doing my thing and having fun. And the doctor said that by the age of 15, it's funny how you lost your ability to walk at 15. But the doctor said that at the age of 15, for me, that I would lose my ability. That was, that was what their expectation was. And they weren't even expecting me to live past my teenage years. And because what happened was at the time that they diagnosed me, they only knew spinal muscular atrophy, but there's actually four types of spinal muscular atrophy. The first two are the more, uh, are the deadly ones. Mm -hmm. And the latter two are non-life-threatening. Like we live and we have a full, we can full life expectancy. But at the time they didn't know that. So you can imagine getting that news like, hey, you don't, you know, 19, that's, that's the cutoff date, you know? Right. And so I never really thought about it, to be honest, because I was still physically able to do my own thing. So I, I kind of like had that tucked in the back of my head, never thought about it. Um, because when I did think, start thinking about it, and there was times where it did come to the forefront, it would depress me because mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, who knows, this thing could kick in at any moment and I'm done. And so, you know, I went on with life and, you know, limiting a mindset, belief, thinking that, because what happened was, was that I'd actually didn't end up in a wheelchair until I was 22. So I went all through high school, graduated high school, able to walk. And then when I moved from New York to Florida, short, very shortly after, I lost my ability to walk because I'm six foot tall. Um, and in my mom's house was all tiles. So at that mm -hmm. time, I used to use a little motorized scooter right. because I had more functionality of my arms. And I was uh, parked next to the sofa. So I got up from the, from the scooter to take literally like three or four steps to the sofa. And within those three or four steps, my leg gave out because mm. my muscles would just give out on me at random moments. So I fell to the floor, broke all the toes in my right foot. I literally felt like a sack of potatoes. And I, and I heard it when I fell down. I just heard, I heard the snap. <laughs> and mm. I was like, oh, so... For three, three or four months, I couldn't even put pressure on my foot. So you know what they say, if you don't use it, you, you lose it. That's right. And so that's what happened, man. After those three or four months, I tried to stand up again and I, I just couldn't stand up anymore. My leg kept, kept on buckling out from under me. And that was when the reality hit me that this condition is taking over my body. So you have, you're diagnosed and the doctor's telling you um, that, you know, you're not going to live a long time and you're not going to be walking, but that didn't seem to stop you from doing what you were doing. That is important. Can you talk a little bit about why, how you see things matters? And so, you know, for me, man, you know, psychologically, like you said, I, 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 was, I tried not to think about it. But even when this started taking over, it was in high school when I really started to feel the effect of this thing kicking in. Like it started to become more difficult for me to sit and stand or mm -hmm. go up and down the steps or or tie my shoes or pick something up from the floor or get up from the floor when I would fall, when my leg would give out and me just have to get up from the floor. I'd have to literally crawl, like scoop my butt on the floor to the steps and then kind of crawl up the steps to a level where I was able to put, like push myself up to a standing position. So, and, and I've actually never even shared that 
on any platform, but that was my reality when I was in high school. Mm. And when you think about it, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad God created me with, with the level of mental toughness that he did, you know, because that's what helped me push through a lot in life. And when I was younger, I didn't realize what it was, but I know now that I'm older, right? Hindsight is 2020. I know that it was, you know, God's hand over my life just telling me that I needed to keep pushing through. Right. Yeah. And so I got to a point where this thing started taking over and I'm like, okay, well, there were moments of me, you know, uh, dealing with mild depression mm -hmm. because I, I had a high level of awareness. Like I knew that that wasn't me. Like when I would fall into those little states of depression, I knew that wasn't me. So I'd shake it off. Like in a day or two, I, I'm back to normal. But I had those moments where my mind is playing tricks on me and I'm thinking about I'm no good. I'm not capable. And then especially in high school, you know, high school is brutal. People will try to bully you, make fun of you and all these type of things. But again, I'm grateful that God allowed me to be born and raised in the Bronx, New York, because if you're born and raised in New York, you have to develop a thick skin. That's and right. So, and that helped me out, right? So that helped me out with, with knowing not to be so easily offended or easily, mm -hmm. uh, you know, allow people's opinions of me to easily affect me at my mental state. Right. And so, I mean, again, I'm human. It hurts, right? It doesn't feel good. You don't like it, but, you know, you get over it. And, I, and I'm glad that I was able to do so. So, you know, for me, man, that's, you know, pers perspective is, is huge, man. And perception is huge as well. And so mm. I just, this, I, you know, I got to a point in my life, man, where I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I said, something has to change. And, and it's up to me to make it happen. You talked about a story in your book that really, I thought, dealt with the importance of fear, confession, what you think, what you say does matter. Can you talk about your graduation day? Yeah, man. So, you know, graduation day is an exciting day for everyone, right? You get the butterflies, you're excited, you're nervous, but you know that you're at the finish line and you did it, right? You've, you've, this is a milestone in your life and you're proud because you've, you've made an accomplishment. You've completed an accomplishment. And so I'm in my room getting ready, putting on the cap and gown, getting my clothes and everything ready. And I'm excited. My mom's getting ready to take me to the school. So I went to high school in upstate New York. So it was like in the mountainous area. So the, we graduated on the football field in the back. They had, you know, the big bleachers on both sides. So it accommodated a lot of families. And then even uh, people were standing around the bleachers. That's how packed it was. There was at least over 3,500 people there that day and so that whole time I'm getting dressed like I mentioned in high school was when this stuff this condition started kicking in so and my leg would give out at me at random moments I'd be at the mall the movie theaters at the park hanging out and my leg would just give out and I'd fall on the floor and I'd be like a spectacle like everybody was like oh, or laughing or pointing at me or like ha 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 you know it was a horrible experience <laughs> and so my mom takes me to the, the school. She drops me off so she could go get parking. I got to go line up with everyone else. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time while I'm home on the way over there. And while I'm there, I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, please don't let my leg give out on me today. If any day my leg was going to give out on me, Lord, please not let it be today. And so I kept on playing that over and over and over and thinking that like it was like uh, it was like it was crazy how much I was thinking about that. So I get to the school and I'm walking down a steep hill and um, I know that my balance isn't that great. And anything that puts me off balance will, will, will cause me to fall. 
And so I'm thinking to myself, I hope I don't fall, you know, step on a little rock or something that's going to make me lose my balance. Cause then that's it. I'm, 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 and I'm six foot. So you can imagine that's like a big fall, you know? So I'm like, so I'm like, oh man, I get to the bottom of the hill and I'm going real slow, making sure I get my footing. I get to the bottom of the hill and I'm like, whoo, man, thank God I made it, baby. Yeah, we here. <laughs> and so they start calling your, you know, they start calling your names and, you know, the names of everyone and you start moving forward. You marching forward, right? With everyone else waiting for your name to be called. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, oh God, please don't let my leg fall. There's too many people here. I don't want to be embarrassed. And so they call my name, right? They're calling the names Jose Flores. So I'm going up and I'm going across the stage. And right when I get like maybe six or seven feet away from the principal, my leg gives out, bro. Oh, my leg gives out and I fall on the floor. And it was like, it was something that you only see in the movies, brother. And it's like, you hear everybody gasp. They're like, <gasps> and it goes like, like a deafening silence. And I'm like, and it's like slow motion. I'm looking around at everyone. Like I'm looking slow motion and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm like, God, this, this, this did not just happen to me. And I'm on the floor, man. And I'm having a conversation in my mind and there's two conversations I'm having. I'm hearing one voice that's saying, man, Jose, just play like you're hurt, fake it and let the paramedics come get you up out of here so you don't have to deal with the scrutiny. You don't have to deal with the, with the, with the chitter chatter or the talking or the laughing or the pointing and, You'll get your diploma, man. You graduated. They'll send it to you in the mail. <laughs> and I'm on the floor, man, and I'm having this conversation, and it feels like an eternity while I'm on the floor, but it's literally a couple seconds, maybe a minute or so. And so I'm having this other conversation, and it's telling me, Jose, are you out of your freaking mind? You, you better get your behind back up, and you better go and get what you worked for. You better go get what you've earned. You've worked so hard for this. You're at the finish line, and you're talk, thinking about giving up. You better get up and go get what's yours. And so I made the decision, man. I had to make a decision, right? It was either, right, fight or flight, right? right. Or freeze. I was frozen for a moment, but then I had to figure out like, all right, am I going to take flight or am I going to fight? And so I decided to get up, man. And I looked back at my, my, my boy who was behind me and he was looking at me already like, you ready to get up? Like he knew I was going to get up, right? right he was right. like, you ready to get up? So I was like, yeah, man. So he lifted me up to my feet, man. And it was a standing ovation, man. Mm. And the whole place went into pandemonium. They were like cheering and clapping and everybody was excited. And I go across the stage, I grab that diploma, I shake my principal's hand and I remember, and I get emotional sometimes because like you said, man, it's like yesterday, reliving, rel every time I tell a story, man, I get emotional. But I remember facing the crowd and throwing both my arms above my head, like, like I just crossed the finish line, right? Like I won. And I, rem and I get emotional because that's the last time I remember being able to lift my arms above my head. Wow. Wow. And, um, <clears throat> and so the whole moral of the story is right. It's not about how many times you fall, right? And we hear that and it sounds cliche, but for me, man, I was literally falling. Yes. Like my leg would give out and I'd literally fall thousands of times I can imagine throughout my life. And I bust my head open, cracked this open, broke my arm one time from the falls. So, you know, we hear it said that it's not about how many times we fall, but how many times we get back up. And that was a pivotal 
moment in my life because it was that day that I really learned the meaning of it doesn't matter how many times you fall, but how many times you get back up that counts. Well, that, that's an amazing story. I, I didn't know about that being the last time you remember raising your arms. I didn't even know that part of it. Uh, and no wonder you get emotional about that. I mean, that's, um, I, I remember the last day I was walking. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you do get emotional about those things. And I think one of the things that, um, in addition to you just being a great, wow. Now that's a great place for us to take a break. Because when we come back, we're going to dive into the importance of partnerships and how mentoring takes on a, a, a different meaning in life once you find the right one and your relationship with, with Les Brown. Because I think that story in and of itself will focus on perseverance again. And then we'll get into the importance of partnerships. This is a great story. So we'll be right back with Jose Flores. We hope you're enjoying Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Paralysis to Purpose for more updates. Also, check out David's website at davidcookspeaks.com to learn more about his mission and purchase his book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. We are back on Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast with Jose Flores. And I tell you what, I am full already and we're not even halfway through this. So um, we're going to get right back in. Before the break, you had touched on a relationship you have with the world's greatest motivational speaker of all time, Les Brown. Share some of that story with, with us about how you ended up meeting him and how that ended up catapulting you to another place in your yeah. profession. Yeah, absolutely, man. Great question. And it's a, it is a great story, man. And not, not only because it's, it's my story, but it's, it's like when you hear it, it's just like one of those, man, that's an amazing story. But, you know, I, you know, first of all, Les Brown was my coach and mentor before I even met him. Right. Because he was mentoring me through through YouTube, through his social media. I was I was just soaking all of his information, as much information as I can. I would study his his mm -hmm. stage presence, his movement, his vocabulary, um, just everything about the man. Right. And so I found out that he was going to be coming to Fort Lauderdale on a tour because he was on a speaking tour, a national speaking tour. And I found out he was going to be coming to Florida and, uh, and it was a free event. So I'm like, free event? I'm like, ain't nothing in life for free. <laughs> but it was a free event. It wasn't literally a free event. So I went to the event and I, I told my wife about it. And I was like, hey, listen, baby. Now, this is in December. So this was in December. Uh, Christmas time is not even here yet. It was like December the 15th. So Christmas time is coming. Our, our youngest son's birthday is the 27th of December. And I have a, I have a decision to make if I'm going to take this day off unpaid. Now, because I, I'm in a wheelchair, my wife has to travel with me. So now we both have to take the day off unpaid. So we make the decision, listen, this is a dream. This could be a dream come true. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. We got to try to make this happen. So we pull the trigger and we take off and we go and we, and we, and we go to this event. And I'm thinking like, I'm excited. I'm prepared. I have my speaker kit ready with me. I have all my information in there. And I heard a quote by Whitney Young Jr. Whitney Young Jr. said, it's always better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. So boy, I made sure I was prepared. I had my speaker kit. So we go there and I'm thinking I'm going there with the intention of meeting my mentor. I want to meet my mentor. And so long story short, man, I was there literally at 7 a.m. in the morning and it was an all day thing, literally like 5.30 it finished, six o'clock, something like that. So 
I didn't get to meet him. He had a, a, a line of people that he knew and didn't know that were waiting. They had paid for the extra VIP to meet him and meet and greet him. And I was just like, man, I, I, I just want to get a glimpse and get close to him. And so I, I wound up not being able to meet him or, or, or even get close to him. I saw him speak on stage, but that was about it. And I was like, it was like a dream come true for me. But the great thing that happened was that I didn't meet him, but I met the host of the event and the host of the event, and I talk about this in great detail, and it's a lengthy story, but if you want to hear the whole full story, you got to purchase the book, but I'll give you the little podcast version here. So I met the host. The host uh, said, hey, uh, what brings you? I said, hey, I'm an up-and-coming speaker, and you know, I'm just here to just network and just, just get as much information and knowledge as I can and wisdom from everybody that I can. And I said, uh, he said, oh, great. He said, do you have any information? I said, yeah, I do. I have a speaker kit. Can I give one to you? He said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'll actually go ahead and give this to the CEO of the company who, who threw this event. And I can't promise anything, but hey, you never know. I was like, well, hey, listen, let me give you two of them then. I'll give one to you, one to him. So literally, man, <laughs> David, like 10 minutes later, the guy, this host comes back up to me. And he's like, hey, miss, listen, man, I gave your information to the CEO. He wants to know if you could stay afterwards so that I can introduce you to him. I was like, yeah, man, absolutely. So I meet the guy and he says, hey, man, I saw you sitting up front and you had this big old smile on your face. And he was like, and, 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 and the host is telling me that, uh, that you're an up and coming speaker. And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, listen, can, are, are you available next week? And I said, well, I mean, I, I potentially could be. Why? What's up? And he was like, well, hey, listen, man, we're on tour right now. And uh, next week, we're going to be in West Palm Beach. M mind you, this is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Next week is going to be in, in, in West Palm Beach at the West Palm Beach Convention Center. And he was like, if you can make it, man, I'll give you 10 minutes to show me what you've got. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Man, I was blown away. I was like, man, I'll be there. Put my name on the list. I will be there. So now, mind you, that's another... Day off. day off that my wife and I have to take. And it's in the same pay period. So that's mm -hmm. four days total that we have to take off. And Christmas is around the corner. But I'm like, babe, we got to do this. I know it's going to be tough, but we got to do this. This again, this didn't, this isn't a coincidence that this is happening. So we wind up taking off the next week off and going to this event. And I'm excited. I have more speaker kids with me. I get up at five o'clock. Like, me and you are in wheelchairs. People who aren't in wheelchairs, they don't understand the process that we have to go through just to get out of bed and yeah. get in the wheelchair. So I'm up at five o'clock in the morning going through my routine. And um, and I'm at the place at 6.30 in the morning. Like, hey, Jose Flores is here. Tell him Jose's <laughs> here. So they, they, they radio him in. He comes in and they let me in. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this time I have backstage access i know i'm gonna see less today and so i tell my wife i tell my wife hey listen i don't know where less is what time he's coming or whatever the case may be but when he gets off stage i'm just letting you know i'm flying backstage because i want to i want to try to link up with him she's like yeah yeah no i understand baby so anyhow i'm out watching the speakers i know he's about to get on i hear them saying less just got here so he literally just got there right before he was ready to get on. I go back to the front because I want to watch him do his thing again. I'm such a fan of his. And uh, he gets off stage and I, I'm like, babe, I'm out. So I go backstage and I'm like, hey, where's Les? And they're like, he just left. And I'm like, what do you mean he just left? He just got off the stage. He ain't going to drink no water or nothing. Like, where is he? <laughs> it was like, he just literally, he went out the back door, jumped in the car and he, and he left. He had another somewhere else to be. I was like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. 
this is not happening. So I was a little bummed out. I'm like, man, I missed my opportunity. Now this is the second opportunity that I had. And I'm like, dang it, man. So I was in Fort Lauderdale, which is Broward County, drove up to West Palm Beach County, a whole nother county. And so I'm bummed out, but I get a phone call from another speaker friend of mine. And he's like, hey, man, I got, some, he's speaking at the Miami Dolphins Stadium. And he's like, hey, man, I got some extra tickets. I'm be speaking at this event tonight. Um, I want you and your wife to come. I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it because I'm all the way up here in West Palm Beach. And, I'm, and I just finished speaking. I have to stay here so I can network with some people and whatnot. And he was like, all right, man, well, if you can make it, I'm going to put your name on the list and the tickets will be waiting for you just in case you can. And I was like, all right, man, I appreciate it, man. I'm going to do what I can and see if I can get over there. And right before I hang up the phone, he's like, hey, man, listen, guess who else is speaking down here? I'm like, who? He's like, your boy, Les Brown. I'm like, no way. You got to be kidding me. I'm like, hey, listen, man, I'm going to be there. So my wife and I, we fly down to Miami which is about a, almost like a two hour drive with traffic from mm. West Palm beach. And, uh, we finally get there. I check in, I get the tickets from the, from the, um, from the roll call booth. And, uh, that's where I met Les Brown, man. I met him that night. He's coming out of his room, uh, his VIP area. He had like one of the suites, uh, one of the box suites at the Miami Dolphin stadium. He comes out. I see him walking. I see the crowd around him trying to take pictures and shake his hand. And we make eye contact and we do one of these. Like we give each other that head nod, like we acknowledge each other. Yeah. Right. And so he starts getting closer to me and closer and closer. And I'm like, and he's looking at me like, like I, he knows I want to say something to him. So he comes to me and I'm like, less. I've been chasing you through three different counties trying to catch up to you within the last week. I was like, man, can I just take a picture, shake your hand? Can I get a hug, man? I, I, I'm a fan of yours. I love your work. And he's like, absolutely. I give him my speaker kit. And I'm like, hey, can I give you my speaker kit? And he's like, yeah. He's like, is your information in here? I'm like, man, Les, everything and anything that you need to get a hold of me is in this package. And he's like, all right, man. Well, uh, Good meeting you. Take care and God bless. Right. And so I watch him do his thing. That was on a Wednesday in December of 2015. That Thursday, I go back to work and uh, I'm thinking it's business as usual. I go back to my job. I get a phone call and I'm thinking it's somebody just kind of following up with me. I gave out a ton of business cards and, and I hear the person say, hi, can I speak to Jose? And I, and I heard by the voice, man, it was Les Brown, brother. But I played dumb though. I was like, I was like, this is him. Who's this? And he's like, this is Les Brown. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Let's hold on one second. I put the, I'm like, yo, this is Les Brown. I'm like, I'm, I'm like beside myself, man. I almost fell out of my wheelchair, man. And so I come back. I'm like, hey, what's up, Les? Trying to play it cool. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I just wanted to reach out to you. Uh, I remember I met you last night and uh, I wanted to give you a phone call, man. And he says, are you a pilot? And I'm like, a pilot? I'm like, why, why would he ask me if I'm a pilot? And he said, I said, no, I'm not a pilot. Why, why would you ask that? And he said, man, because on your speaker kit, on your one sheet, it looks like you're getting off of a private jet. And I've totally forgot that. I just did my photo shoot at a private jet here locally that I know somebody who works there and he let me take some photos in one of the hangars by a private jet. So he assumed that I was a pilot. So I was like, man, the power of perception is, is powerful. It's a powerful thing. So anyway, I was like, no, I'm not a pilot. I just took my photo shoot there, but, uh, but I, I would love to, you know, 
practice or do something like that in the future. And he was like, man, well, that's great marketing that you have there. I automatically assumed you were a pilot. And he was like, well, why can I help you, man? And we had an hour long conversation, man. And, and that was all she wrote. That was five, that was six, almost going on six years ago. This year will be six years ago. And uh, it's just an amazing relationship that him and I have. And it's, it's a special relationship and, and I really cherish it. And, and again, it's one of those things that that one connection, man, changed my life. It, wow. My book sales soared, my speaking career soared and took off and, and in a fairly quick, quick time, because I've only been speaking professionally for since 2015, five years. And uh, this is my sixth year and I've been doing it full time the last three years. Mm, so that accelerated. It's amazing. Accelerated. You, you, you don't know, you just don't know what, what the connection is that's going to be your breakthrough. I mean, you, you don't know. Um, the thing that you, there's a couple of things I wrote down while you were telling this story. Uh, the first thing that was interesting to me was when they asked you who you were, your response was, I'm an up and coming speaker. That's right. That was significant. Yeah. Because if you didn't answer that properly, if you didn't say that with confidence and knowing who you were and what you had to offer, potentially you could have missed out on that second opportunity or that third opportunity that, that made sense. So you, your response was, I'm an up and coming speaker. And you said that like, look, you need to know who I am, basically. That's right, that's right. <laughs> that was important. The second thing that struck me was that you need to study who or what you wanna become. That's right, absolutely. You had been, before you met Les Brown, you were in Les Brown. That's right. You knew his mannerisms, you knew his language, you knew his stage presence. You had studied what you wanted to become. That's right. And that was pretty important. So when you got to the stage, it wasn't too big for you. That's right. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you prepared yourself for greater things. So when you got there, you knew how to handle the greatness. That's right. And the third thing that was important to me in this was you were willing to make, you and your wife, were willing to make sacrifice, says, plural, <laughs> plural, not, not one day, not two, like four or five, you gave up, you gave up income, you sold a seed that ended up producing more income, that seed of sacrifice, that's right, produced more income than what you sacrificed, that's right, those are some powerful lessons, yep, yep, uh -huh. it came back to me a hundredfold, man, and, uh, that's a great observation that you, because uh, it's exactly what it's exactly what my intention was with sharing those that, that story and 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 you being able to extract that without you and I even having a conversation is powerful. As you read between the lines, and that's that's like the style of writing that I have. I, I love sharing stories where it makes people dig deep into what their thought processes are and mm -hmm. what they're, and what they're thinking. And I love that you pulled that out because it's amazing. And that's what I want all of you guys that are listening to understand that you know, you have to go after what you want. It's not going to fall on your lap. Success, happiness, contentment, it doesn't just fall on your lap. You have to go after those things. You have to want those things. And um, when you pursue those things, right? Because I was in the pursuit. I pursued him. Yes, you did. I went through three different counties pursuing my mentor. 
And I said, I'm not going to stop until I win. And I kept on going after him until I finally, and Les loves the story because I tell him, I'm like, Les, man, I'm telling you, I, I, I was on 95, I played around. I'm like, I was on 95 on the shoulder lane in my wheelchair going up against his car, <laughs> going to chase you everywhere. So we always have a good laugh when we share the story with each other. But if I had to literally go on 95, which is the main, main yeah, highway, yeah, yeah. I would have went on 95 because that was a part of turning my dream into a reality. And when you want it bad enough, you have to do whatever it takes. And I'm a fighter, man. And I'm going to continue fighting until I take my last breath. And, and, and that's the legacy that I want to leave, man. Mm. Like when I'm gone, I want people to know me as the person who never, like I was a lot of things and I did a lot of things in life. But one thing I never did was quit. Wow. And that's a great legacy. In, in my book, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose, one of the statements I make in this book is that I personally believe that one of the greatest gifts that God has given to humankind is the ability to believe. That's right. The ability to believe. You spend some time in your book talking about believing in yourself, believing your ability. One of your quotes that I loved was uh, where he says, your gift will make room for you if you will make room for it. And then one of the other quotes was that there's enough greatness inside of each person. Let me make sure I get that right. I mean, because that was so good. There's, there's enough greatness inside of everyone to be great. Let's talk about the importance of belief and, and all those things and how that helped you move forward on your journey. Well, you know, Napoleon Hill said that if you can believe it, you will receive it, achieve it, and conceive it, mm -hmm. right? And so it all starts with the, with the thought. It all starts with the belief that you're capable, that you're worthy, that you have the potential, that you have the power, that you have the gifting, right? A lot of times we have gifts, and I always share this too. Like when I was younger in school, I always used to get in trouble for talking, in class, like all the time, like my teachers would tell my parents, like he's having his own little classroom within the classroom in the back of the, you know what I mean? And so who would have known that all these years later, I'd be making a living off of speaking. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, it was a gift of gab, right? Is what I call it in New York, because we tend to know, be known for having the gift of gab. And so I, I've been able to understand what that is and what that looks like. And maximize that right so when i a majority of my life i always focused on the things that i couldn't do and the things i didn't have because of my condition you can't do this you can't do that i was automatically disqualifying myself from so many opportunities because of my limiting belief system right and the negative mm -hmm. thoughts that i had that i carried with myself and so it wasn't until i made this, a small adjustment in the way i was thinking like okay well we already know that you can't do those things jose well, what can you do? I've, 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 I, and I say this all the time, man. I spent, I wasted so many years mm -hmm. of my life trying to be someone I wasn't and not accepting the person that I really was. Mm -hmm. And so once I was able to crack that code and be comfortable with who I am and whose I am and understanding that, man, I'm unstoppable. Like, I, I, like I'm unstoppable. And again, I say that with, with, with the utmost humility mm -hmm. that when you can get to a place where it doesn't matter what you've been through, it doesn't matter what you've done, you can share that on a platform and say, yeah, I'm human just like you. I make mistakes just like you. I, I hurt and I go through struggles and pain and challenges just like you. It breaks the walls down. 
And now you're not only making a head connection, but you're making a heart connection. And when you make a heart connection, that's what lasts a lifetime. Wow, that's fantastic. Here's a chance to win a signed copy of David's inspiring book, detailing his personal journey, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. Each month, there will be two giveaways. Just leave us a review of today's podcast on the platform you're listening from. It's that easy. I'm going to ask you for one more story. Um, and that would be the story about when you went on vacation with your family to Jamaica. Yeah, so um, another great story, man. And it, it's another pivotal moment in my life because it affected me and impacted me so much so that I had to write about it, right? <laughs> and put it right. in the book. So, you know, my, my family and I, we love going on vacation, right? That's what we like to do. We like to travel. Like everybody has their thing. Some people like buying, you know, name brand clothes. Some people like having the expensive cars. Some people like having the big homes. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But our thing is we like traveling. We like experiencing the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so we go on vacations and there's sometimes where I know, I just know, right? Because of my condition that I'm not going to be able to participate in certain things, right? Physically, I can't, I just can't do certain things physically. And so we go to Jamaica and there's this place called the Blue Hole. If you've never been to the Blue Hole in Ocho Rios, Jamaica, you have to put that on your bucket list. <laughs> it's on there now. It's an incredible place. And it's not something that you find, like we live in Florida, South Florida. So we go on a lot of cruises. That's how we get to visit all these different islands. So we go island hopping a lot. And, um, but this blue hole is not something that you find on the excursions that the cruise lines offer. Mm -hmm. This is like something that the locals know about and, you know, people who do their research about, they, they, they learn about this. So in order, in order for you to get there, you have to find a local who can take you there, right? So we get to this place, we get to this blue hole and I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking at, the, we're like in, in like in the rainforest almost. It's like, there's a, there's a fresh stream of water. We're in the mountains of Jamaica. And you, in order to get to this blue hole, you have to take a trek. You have to climb over rocks and boulders and fallen trees from old hurricanes that pass through in order to get there. So you got to be physically fit and able to physically able to get over all these hurdles. So I'm there and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, well, this is just going to be one of those things where I'm not going to be able to participate in. And I'm okay with that because it brings me joy and happiness seeing that I can provide these experiences and these smiles and these, and these moments for my family. So that in itself brings me joy and happiness, seeing their smiles and their, them being happy and, and just us being in the moment that that's just like, it's wow. everything for me because, you know, my, my, you know, my dream in life wasn't the big house and the fast car and, 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 and the healthy bank account, right? I mean, we all want those things, but my main dream in life, David, and for all of you listening and watching was wondering if a woman was ever going to love me like this, mm. right? Because I felt like damaged goods. I was like, God, return the sender. Like the, the package is broken. Right. And so, <laughs> and, and I was always dreaming about having children. Right. And so God has blessed me with a wife and, and two amazing, healthy young men. And um, so being able to see them have happiness and joy because I'm able to provide that for them. It, it's just like, it's another dream come true. Right. Like God, thank you for my wife and my kids. And thank you for our happiness. Thank you for these precious moments. Like that means the world to me more than anything else in life. That's what's most precious to me. And so being able to do that, like you said, even though I'm not able to participate, brings me fulfillment. 
And so I'm there and I'm like, okay, well, this is just going to be one of those moments where I'm not going to be able to participate, but it's all good. I can still kind of see them, right? I can see them and I can see them having fun and that, 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 that's fun for me. And so I'm sitting there and they're changing, they're putting on their, 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 uh, their beat shoes because you had to put on these special like shoes so that it's non-slippery because some of those rocks are wet and slippery. So kind of get you some grip. I'm sitting there and I'm watching them get ready. And this one guy, he comes up to me and he's like, and he's Jamaican. He's like, hey man, you want to get into the water? And I'm like, I'm looking at him like, I would love to get into the water, but how do you, how do you, you know, propose I get there? Mm. And, he, and he just looked me in my eyes, man. And he said, I'll carry you. Wow. Wow. And so it's another one of those moments that, that I get emotional by because again, it's like not tears of, of, of sadness, but tears of joy because there's people that are out there that still have compassion for their fellow brother and sister. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he just looked me in my eyes and he said, I will carry you. And in my head, I'm thinking, I, I know what the trek looks like. I can see it from a distance and I, and I see what other people have to do. And I'm thinking to myself, if this guy is willing to carry me, then I'm willing to go. So he put me on his back and I have a picture of it. I should have put the picture in the book, but um, I have a picture because my wife was taking pictures of him carrying me on his back like a piggyback. So he carried me on his back and his partner it was like a little tour guide. They were tour guides of the blue hole. So his partner carrying my manual wheelchair in case this guy needs to take a break and put me, put me down for a few minutes, he can do so. And he doesn't have to drop me or sit me on the floor or anything. And um, because you know how it is, if I'm 155 pounds dead weight, you ain't picking me up off the floor, <laughs> especially not in a piggyback position. Right. <laughs> so his partner's carrying the wheelchair in case he needs to take a break. Man, this guy... David, he carried me the whole entire way. Didn't even take a break. And mm. I'm talking about over rocks, over tree stumps, and, and he carried me. And not, not only did he carry me, but he, when we got to the water, he sat me down in the water, put a life jacket on me, and sat with me in the water for about 30 minutes. Wow. So much so that the people who were there with us were clapping and cheering us on because they were like, man, you guys are ma you guys made it. You guys are awesome. It was almost like the graduation story where we made it, right? It's something that you look at and you see like, there's no way those guys can do it. They're not going to make it. He's going to get tired. He's going to drop them. He's going to, something's going to happen. And we made it, man. And we get in there. Strangers are giving me like five high fives because we made it. Mm. So he sat with me in the water for about 30 minutes. Now this water was the most freezing water I've ever experienced because it's a natural spring water. So it was cold, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sat with me for 30 minutes in the water. Um, my wife and my kids, they're jumping off the cliffs, cliffs into the blue hole. My sons are swinging from vines into the water and I'm, and I'm watching them. In, I'm in the water too, watching all of this. And it was one of the most amazing, unforgettable, memorable moments in my life that I experienced again, again, so much so that I had to write about it. So shout out to Devro. If you're listening to this, I love you, brother. We actually still keep in touch. This was years mm -hmm. ago, about eight years or seven years ago. And we still keep in touch with each other through Facebook and social media. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, so that's, not, that's fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah. Not, not only did he carry me and stay with me in the water, 
but he carried me all the way back. All the way back. It changed my life because this guy touched me in a, in a special way. Wow. And no one else was there saying, hey, I'll carry you. No. Right? No one was volunteering. And this complete stranger just came up to me and said, hey, you want to get in? I'm like, yeah, but how? He's like, I'll carry you. And I said, let's go. And how he was willing to take, that was risky. He could have pulled his back out. What a man. This is a great story. Yeah. I, I hope yeah. my listeners appreciate the fact that that's your, your, your stories are so compelling. And the, more, and, the more, and the moral of the story that I want your listeners to get is that, you know, if we just show a little compassion to people, mm. it's about being compassionate to one another. And again, using your abilities, your strong points to help other people in their weak points. Okay. Well, hey, th this has been a fantastic conversation. And I'm glad that the rest of the world is going to have an opportunity to listen in on this conversation. Before I let you go, I want to say a couple of words or phrases and get your response. Okay. Gratitude. I use it daily. Mm. I practice it daily. M-I-N-D, mind. Mind. Yeah, the mindset disruptor. The M is for managing your thoughts. Um, the I is for initiating action. The N is for no negativity. And the D is for determined to add value to yourself and others. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, winning. Winning? Yes, winning. I love, I love winning. We, we, we got to keep on winning. Right? And some people look at me and they're like, man, you're winning, Jose. I'm like, yeah, but I, there's... There's always an opportunity for us to win every single day. And, I, and again, you know, we talk about like how being paralyzed isn't uh, only a physical thing. And winning isn't always, uh, it doesn't have to be, have, have to have great significance. Every time I get out of my bed and into my wheelchair, that's a win. Mm. Every time I get to hug my wife and give her a kiss, that's a win. Because some people didn't wake up today to be able to do those things. So that I'm winning. So those things in life that came at us so strong that probably thought they were going to keep us from scoring to keep us from winning, they're not going to do that. That's right. And then we celebrate those wins. That's right. Keep That's I'm right. telling you, keep talking about those wins because people That's need right. to know it's okay to win. That's right. And having a winning record does not mean you don't have losses. That's right. That's not what that means. Yeah. That means you learn from your losses. I call my losses learnings. And, right. and so, but that winning records means, hey, sometimes you don't get it right. Sometimes you mess it up, but you have a winning record overall because you keep moving, you keep going. That's right. I love that. Uh, this has been amazing. Um, one last phrase that I liked in your book. Uh, there were so many. And it says, you are necessary and important. And I think the people that are listening to us need to understand, regardless of your situation, uh, you're on your journey from paralysis to purpose, and that paralysis can take on a lot of forms. But I'm convinced that your that, that your perspective is important, your perseverance is important, and your partnerships are important because you don't have to make this journey all alone. That's right. And so until I talk to you next time, on Paralysis to Purpose the Podcast, remember this always, that your ability to endure 
is always greater than your willingness to endure. From paralysis to purpose. Yeah. Paralysis to purpose. Oh. Paralysis to purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Paralysis to Purpose. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paralysis to Purpose on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To purchase his book, visit davidcookspeaks.com. Next time on Paralysis to Purpose. I was one of the last players of my friends to get to the NFL, and I was the very first one of my friends to come out. God, why is this happening to me? Because if you don't go there, you'll never be able to help people go from where they are to where I'm calling them to be. Paralysis to purpose.